just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your host Ian Dos Mackay. Next Level Guy is a men's interview, interest and improvement website and podcast where I interview the greats from all industries to help others better their lives. Today's guest is Mark Devine. Mark is a former SEAL whose expertise and experience had the American government task him with creating a nationwide mentoring program for SEAL trainees. Not only did it increase the quality of SEAL candidates, it also reduced the uh, BUDS attrition rate up to 5%. He's an author and creator of the SEAL Fit and Unbeatable Mind website and podcast too. He's an accomplished martial arts with black belts in Sido and Guju Ru Krai, a military hand-to-hand combat certification in SCARS and senior ranking in Saito Ninjutsu. He's a trained Ashtanga yoga teacher and created the innovative, unbeatable Kokukurua a yoga program taught to students. In this interview, we'll be focusing on his awesome book, The Way of the Seal, but the interview can be used in many different ways and utilise the seal way of life to allow you to achieve your own goals, no matter what they are. But before we get to the interview, just a quick word about the affiliates. Now, I've set up some amazing deals with some great companies. These allow me to create and obtain special discount codes, deals and listener exclusives. If you go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates, you'll get further information. Now, there's many different products I'm enjoying using. I'd get many through, so check out the reviews in the top menu bar. But just now, I'm loving, for example, the Kindle that I use daily. I read um, many ebooks on it, and I'm also been catching up on TV series that I haven't been watching while I've been building up the podcast by using my Amazon Prime membership. Um, it shows me great films and series and TV shows that you have to check out, like American Gods, for example. I've also been loving my new super soft Under Armour boxers, which I've got through Amazon and Under Armour. These have replaced all my current underwear. They fit great. They don't ride up, especially when I'm doing jiu-jitsu. They give support and comfort in all the right places. If you're hitting up on it or Barbell Apparel as well, then you need to use my discount code of Next Level Guy. That's next level guy all one word to get 10 percent off your orders for others i'm particularly loving the natural the pickup video guidance course by rsd max which aims to help you become a natural woman i'm recently single again and this is pumping up my confidence and show me the skills i need to meet fantastic women and get the dates and girlfriend that i want desire and deserve also ross edgley's new book the world's fittest book is another reread just now as i'm anticipating his new tour which i've got tickets for In the book, he provides awesome advice on training, health, nutrition, and building successful lives. And in in the book, he also showcases the philosophy and tactics he used when he swam around the UK. He never went on dry land once until he finished the swim, where when he wasn't swimming, he would eat and sleep on the boat. Tickets to his tour are available now, and in my honest opinion, it's a must-attend event, because it's one a great chance to see the man in action and listen to some awesome stories and get some great tips about how you can improve your fitness, health and attitude towards life. There's so many other great offers um, on this page. If you go and have a look at 
companies like MyProtein, Under Armour, The Protein Works, Bulletproof Coffee, Meandies, Gainsbox, Dollar Shave Club, and so, so many more. For all the free trials and special deals, etc., and all the other special offers, please go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. There's something there for everybody. There's a perfect gift for yourself or your family member, especially with things like Mother's Day, Christmas, etc. Regardless of the occasion, there's something there for everybody. I'm always updating it, adding new deals and offers, and added all the time. So please keep an eye out on the page and share it as much as you want and use it as much as you want. All monies from this are spent improving the website and building up the podcast. I really appreciate anybody that uses these affiliate links and feel free to share them and use them as much as you want. I hope you had as much fun listening to this one as I did during the interview. It's been one of my favourite interviews for a while. Mark is a fantastic guy and I hope you get as much from this interview as I did. If we met in a bar, um, if we were met in a tr- like a dojo or a training seminar or something like that, you know, and I asked who you were and you gave me a quick intro into who you were and why you're well known, what would you give? I love that. You know, I guess it would depend on which one I was in, you know, (laughs) if I'm in a bar and I've had a shot of good, you know, Island whiskey, I'd probably give you a much longer answer. Uh, But I'm in the dojo. I'd probably bow to you and say, you know, my name is Sensei Mark. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll get the bottle open just now. I'm I'm screwing the cap. We won't need that again. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Send it on over. Yeah. So I, I mean, the short story long is that um, I, I, not unlike you, I grew up in a really freaking tiny, beautiful area of upstate New York. You know, I used to ram around the mountains of the Adirondacks as a kid. And I, that's what helped me be an athlete, you know, because I used to, you know, climbing these mountains was a, was like a challenge for me. I'd do it as fast as I could. I had a friend who went to Harvard and I went to Colgate. We, we used to like run up the Adirondack Mountains. And we'd be like flying by these people, by these groups of people who were huffing and puffing and, you know, doing their hike. And we were running up these steep grades and scrambling on the rock. And we would get to the top and we'd down a couple bottles of water and our PB&J. And then we would wrap our ankles and put knee pads on. And then we would play tag on the way down. We called it bounding. It was the most fun thing and the most dangerous thing that I've ever done in my life. <laughs> We were constantly breaking bones and bashing our eyes because, you know, we're talking about leaping from rocks to rocks to, you know, over crevasses and pure insanity. Anyways, that's how I grew up. And it sounds a lot like I'm I'm picturing William Wallace in the movie Braveheart, you know, running through the highlands. You know, it sounds like a lot. Yeah, well, we we had a game called British Bulldogs, and it was one of those that you know you started with two people at the bottom, everybody ran down, and they had to try to tackle people down to the ground. And this was back before PC and that, so you were getting people taking headlocks and chopping knees, and I'm surprised we made it through childhood at times, you know. And then those people who who got caught, you know, you just kept them back and forth, and whoever got caught join the team and of course my brother would immediately go for me and oh i don't remember a week oh that sounds like a blast yeah so i think i think we'd have gone well as kids so I mean, no question yeah there, there were plenty of times where i you know i am like super grateful that i made it past 17 you know because all the the crazy crazy things that i did as a youth you know how many times i spun my car rolled my car ended up in a ditch or 
backed out and ripped the door off. You know, that wasn't dangerous, but it pissed my mom off, you know. It's... And uh, and then these crazy athletics. It was just awesome, but, like, kids don't grow up that way much anymore. So it's, it's, it's weird thinking of you, like, as a rebellious teen, because, like, when you see the image of you, you know, like, the the upright seal like the dominant the leader and you know it's strange to think of you as the the rebellious child you know were you always like that as a child or did you just go through a phase you know i i definitely had my moments you know but most of the time i tied toed the line this is like when i was away from the social structure and the family you know when i could be myself i would express myself through these games and and then, you know, I guess I, you know, the rebellious part was when I got into my late teens, my probably my second and last year of high school, that's when I started to act out a little bit. And I think the reason was, I've never really told anybody this, but my parents really had kind of a golden child syndrome where I was the golden child. I was on the pedestal. I was the second one. I was the perfect one. You know, you know, I, I was good in sports. I was good in straight A student and I was like anointed to come take over the family business. And in turn, my parents sent all of my siblings away to boarding school, but kept me home to the Podunk High School, you know, where the Future Farmers of America was the main club. And I just felt like a fish out of water. And I think I was like bored shitless. And so <laughs> my only friends would just drink and smoke pot. And I didn't like smoking pot. So I, I would drink. And, you know, obviously that came with this, this series of issues. <laughs> Hence the spinning cars and the ditches, etc. So when 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 did you start? I, I don't like the term growing out of it, but when did that stop? You know, was it a, a turning point that got you into like the seals and the military life, or did you yeah. kind of just fall into it? No, I didn't fall into it all. There, there's two kind of turning points, and one of them is really interesting that, that we're having this conversation because you know I went to college, and the first couple of years, not much changed. I was a competitive swimmer. I was in a fraternity. You know, I, I toned things down a bit because I had to be much more disciplined. But my junior year, I got into, now this is an interesting story. So I was fascinating with uh, England and London and Scotland. And I learned that there was a study group and I had a couple friends who were in economics with me who were fraternity brothers. And they had gotten into this economic study group over to university of Ed Edinburgh. No, I'm sorry. University of London school of economics. And they were going to live in London for six months. And, um, I was like, man, I want to do that. But I didn't have the GPA to do that. So I just stick, I just kept going to the meetings. And the, the leader, Mr. Honkaleto, the professor, kept saying, sorry, Mark, you know, we're looking for, you know, top GPAs. Everyone who's applied is a 4.0 and you're like a 2.8. I said, I don't know. You know, something will happen. This is like the first that I started really using the law of attraction without even knowing it. And I just kept going to the meetings. And, I, and he was a swimmer. I'd see him at the pool. I'd ask him how he was doing. I would. You know, I wasn't trying to manipulate him. I literally was in my mind planning this idea that I'm going to go to this thing. And I, I figured maybe I have a 20% uh, chance of it happening, but I wasn't going to take no for an answer until I got a final no. At any rate, long story short, there was a guy who was in the, who had gotten accepted, was in this kind of a druggy fraternity, DU, and he just didn't show up for the last slash mandatory meeting because he had went on this like vendor. And I was there, you know, with my smile on. And Mr. Hunk later said, well, what do you know, Mark? Do you want to go? Because what's his name? Obviously doesn't. And uh, or else he'd be here. And I said, you bet. I'm in. And I went to London that uh, junior fall and spent six months in London. That was the first time I'd been out of upstate New York. 
you know, population 500 in my town and Colgate University was, you know, with the university and the town, you know, maybe 5,000 total. And all of a sudden I find myself in this major international city. I'd never even been to New York City. And it just blew me wide open. Talk about, you know, I always say that travel and living in a foreign country can be a really great way to accelerate your learning and to experience new cultures and new perspectives. And you literally will come home a different person. And it changed me. And that's, you know, I was telling you earlier before we started the call, you know, how I loved it so much in my little side trip to Scotland that my senior year, I went back and I, I flew as a courier, which means I flew for free over to um, Scotland. And then I lived with a friend who was getting his doctorate in a, and caretaking a home for the Church of England. So I lived for free. And then I hitchhiked my way around Scotland, completely blew off my studies. There's the rebel in me coming out again. And um, just had an extraordinary time. And those experiences really, really cracked me up. So that was the first. And the second, and probably even more relative to the SEALs or got me on the warrior path, was when I was in college, my freshman year, I, I roomed with a guy named Dave Bowman. Dave was not an athlete. I was an athlete. So I was a competitive swimmer, and I was heading down that road. Dave, though, stumbled into a Shotokan karate um, class that was held in the gym on the campus and he took up Shotokan and Dave and I of course we didn't live together all four years but I knew you know we were friends and I would see him here and there and I watched him transform from kind of like this dumpy kid non-athletic kid into this this rock of a human being like this completely focused ripped you know really really powerful guy and here I was just a swimmer who was partying on the weekends with my fraternity I was like wow look at that so after college, when I graduated, I got a job with Coopers and Library, which is a big accounting firm. It's now called PricewaterhouseCoopers Worldwide. And it was in New York City. And they sent me to get my MBA at, you know, at night at NYU. And I was like, I, I, I want to keep my physical training going. So I, I ran and I went to the gym at lunch while everyone else went to their little, you know, their little martini lunches or whatever they were doing. And um, it wasn't enough, you know. And I, I remembered Dave. Right? And I said, wow, maybe there's something I could get into here. And it just so happens one day I was walking home from work and I lived on 22nd Street and Broadway. And there on 23rd Street near Broadway was the World Sado Karate Headquarters. And I walked past it one night. I heard the screams coming inside and they weren't screams of horror. They were screams of, you know, power, <laughs> warrior shouts. So I went up and checked it out and I was immediately hooked and I met my first real mentor uh, you know, Shihan, he was called at the time, Shihan Kaicho Nakamura, or Shihan Nakamura. Kaicho was a, a, a title he took later, meaning grandmaster. But when I met him, he was a Shihan, which meant master. And he became my mentor. He's the guy that taught me how to meditate through Zen and um, got me really squared away and on my, you know, able to really think more clearly and to make better decisions. And, you know, from there you hear that you read the story in my book, the way of the seal, it, it transformed me four years later, and I was in the steel teams. Do you think you would have found that way yourself without him? Or, you know, do you think no. everybody needs that mentor? I think there's a couple of things here. Everyone benefits from a mentor, but in this situation, it really was the, the meditation and the concentration training that was able to like get my mind to focus on the right things at the right time for the right reason and to re to really kind of check inward and to see what is it that I'm meant to do in my life. And, um, 
you know, the closest thing I had to that when I was a kid was nature, but I didn't really, you know, I was too motivated by the destination and not the journey when I was a kid. And the Zen practice taught me to, you know, sit down and shut up and to really look inward instead of outward. And that's practice. It took a period of time, several years, that, that really got me uh, to examine the stories that I was, you know, living my life by. And those stories were not authentic. They weren't who Mark Devine was meant to be. They were really planted there by my family and by my culture and the things I experienced. And when I thought about my future, I didn't see myself as a CPA. I didn't see myself going back to you know, family business. But the only time I would think about those things is when I was sitting on the Zen bench. The rest of the time, I was too busy doing things. So the mentor is extremely helpful, but the, the silence can be your mentor, is my point here. So just starting the practice of silence, breathing, meditation, visualization, you know, whatever form, as long as you have a, I mean, I have a very specific process and we could talk about that, but just starting in anything is really powerful because it gets you to check in instead of being focused out all the time. Like uh, when I read in your story, you know, and it was like when you went from like being an accountant to suddenly to the seals, you know, you're kind of like, oh, there's a career path not many people have probably taken. <laughs> Yeah, it it's, it was quite a, it was quite a jump. I mean, do you think that's why so many guys feel lost just now? You know, they don't have a mentor, they don't have a, their why. They're just bouncing around from job and using drink yeah. and stuff just to keep themselves sane, basically. I think so. You know, I think first of all, let me back up. I, I believe that everyone's got like a very important purpose or reason for being here, and that is best express as an archetypal energy, meaning like I didn't sit down on the bench and suddenly one day pounce off and be like, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. It didn't work that way for me. What happened was I began to experience this, this kind of inner voice that was pointing toward me being a warrior. Does that make sense? That's why I was really drawn to the martial arts. Mm. It was a warrior path. And the more I trained in the martial arts, the more I sat on the meditation bench, the more I began to uh, kind of align with and resonate with the energy of the warrior. Now I could, with the archetypal energy of the warrior, I could have also been like, man, I love being a CPA, but I'm going to be a warrior CPA. I don't imagine there's many of those, but I could have been the first, right? But I also noticed that I really wasn't that passionate about numbers. It really was just a job for me. And when I looked in, when I started to visualize and I looked into my future, I really couldn't see myself, you know, as a partner of a CPA firm. And I really couldn't, I could see myself, but I didn't like what I saw when I saw the family business vision. So I started to imagine different options. And I imagined like, what, what would it be like if I was a, a warrior in different domains? Like, a, what if I was a Marine Corps, you know, pilot? And uh, I even thought, what would it be like if I was a legionnaire you know what if i just blew this popsicle stand and went to france and became a legionnaire what would that be like and what would it be like if i was not a military warrior but a first responder and i even thought what if i was just a a warrior on a you know on a oil rig you know like a hellcat and you know so i i would i called it trying on the uniform i i would try on the uniform visually and imagine myself doing these different things and ironically, I really didn't know anything about the SEALs at the time. That's why I didn't jump up and say, hey, I want to be a SEAL. I think I had heard of them, but I really didn't. It wasn't like jumping out of me until one day, deep into this 
inquiry, this period of self-inquiry, I walking home from work one night and I stumbled across a Navy recruiting office and there was a poster on the window and um, it was titled Be Someone Special and it was about the SEALs and it had pictures of guys jumping out of airplane, you know, airplanes at night in free fall, you know, sniper in a hide site with a spotter and, and a mini submarine, you know, locking out of a nuclear sub and I was like, whoa, that was the kind of the inflection point or the crystallization moment that it all came together. So that's it. That's what my, my warrior energy combined with my passion for adventure, my passion for the outdoors, my passion for crazy risky things that I expressed as a teenager combined with my dislike for the business world, my, my lack of interest in money, you know, at the time, all that kind of stuff. I had the skills, I had the passion, I had the principles and I knew my purpose was to be a warrior. And then all of a sudden that was it. That became my mission to become a Navy SEAL. And then when I became a Navy SEAL, my mission was to do the SEAL missions. You know what I mean? It was a really extraordinary process and became a, 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 the subject of what I you know, kind of write about and teach today. Well, you certainly picked, Phenomenal. you know, like the most risky thing you could do. You know, I want to take risks. Yeah. I'll become a special ops warrior, you know? I mean, I think that's something you... Well, everyone's got their thing. And if you're meant to be a a spec ops warrior and you don't go for it, then you're never going to be happy because you're always going to be second guessing yourself. And a lot of the guys I train are guys who just don't want to second guess themselves for the rest of their lives because it's the seed of discontent. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I do like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I've been doing it for about like nine, about nine months now. And it's amazing how alive it makes you, you know, it gives you like, you actually feel when you come out after rolling and getting beaten up and choked and all that, you actually feel like part of the world, you know, you're not just in a daze anymore. Yeah. And I think so many guys struggle with that. So it's, it's like you're saying is like so few people actually go and try and find out these things if it's worth it, you know, if that's what's going to be suitable for them. And it must be really sad on a deathbed thinking, well, I wish I'd done that. I could have, I should have. And this is why I love interviewing guys. Re regret is, regret is like cancer. Right. Regret will just eat you alive. And so I think, you know, it's incumbent upon all of us, everyone listening is like, find out what it is that's going to light your hair on fire. Find out what it is you're meant to do in life. I mean, what is your purpose and how can you develop a mission around that? And, and I have a lot of folks that say, yeah, but, you know, the yeah, buts and the what ifs come out pretty quickly. Yeah, but I've got a family. Yeah, but, you know, I've, I've built this business. Yeah, but. And. I say the same thing. You know, I'm not asking you to, to ditch it all right now and put your family at risk or your employees. I'm asking you or I'm telling you that if either you find a way to embed that purpose into your organization or in your job or start a side hustle that allows you to fulfill that purpose because or, you know, transition out of the, the old into the new. You know, there's three ways that I just gave you to to align with your your purpose in life, you don't, don't put yourself at risk. I'm not recommending anyone just quit their job after they listen to this podcast and go join the SEALs or, or the, you know, the Scottish special forces, if there were such a thing, <laughs> you know, it's like in most pubs, I think. <laughs> yeah. The, the robots <laughs> battalion. No, do it smartly. Right. But if you don't do it, you're going to have regrets. That's the point. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's those people that kind of go, oh, but it's okay for you. You don't have a family. Oh, it's okay for you. You're younger or you're older or you're more flexible. And I kind of go, it's like those guys that say, yeah, I want to learn a martial art, but I want to lose weight first. And yeah, you think, totally. no, that's how you lose weight. I used, you know? I used to have people say that all the time with Seal Fit, my, other, my, my first iteration of my training business. You know, I was like, oh, man, that Seal Fit looks fantastic. I can't wait, but I got to go to the gym to get fit first. I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense to me. You just come and we'll get you fit. You know? Yeah, I mean, was that why you went down the road of writing the book? Was it you just wanted to get this out there? Or yeah. was it the point of you wanted to make a manual for yourself and help other guys find this? Because that's what I like about it is it's not one of these up in the air books it's you know when i read it i was so chuffed at like how it was actionable you know there's concrete action steps yeah. it was it was like you were talking to the inner young guy and everybody yeah. and just sort of saying this is what you do to get to a to b to c because some of these books you read and go oh my god like you know that's it's lovely but yeah. I, can't, there's, I don't get anything from it yeah. whereas i felt like you were on my shoulder going okay this is what you're gonna do do this do that yeah next and step you know i don't know it's one of those things that i just felt really compelled to teach to give back so when i i was on active duty for like eight years and then i got married and then it got it got hard to stay on active duty because you know my, my wife wasn't quite prepared for the lifestyle of the Navy SEAL family, which is rough. And she's not alone. I mean, it was like an 80% divorce rate. I didn't want a divorce. I didn't want to ruin it. And so I got off active duty, stayed in the reserves. And then I uh, got um, hired by the Navy to launch a program to prepare the SEALs platoons slash squadrons for their combat deployments. And then after that, I got hired by the Navy to create a mentoring program for all the SEAL candidates. That was on a government contract. Well, 2006, that government contract, or 2007, that government contract got stolen from me. And that's the, it's a powerful word to use, but it's absolutely true. It got literally ripped off from me, right off from under me by a billion-dollar company called Blackwater, which later was in the news negatively for all of its contractor operations in Iraq. And um, I looked at that as a godsend. You know, it took me a while after I licked my wounds, but my wounds. But it was a godsend because I said, you know what? I, I don't belong in government contracting. That's not what I'm meant for. So I had to go back through kind of the same process I went through when I went into the seals. Like, what is my purpose now? Am I still a warrior, or am I, you know, moving into some other, you know, entrepreneur, or what am I? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm still a warrior, but I'm more of a teacher. I really, I really enjoyed teaching those seals, but I didn't want to. I don't have the energy to be a shark businessman per se, you know, that's kind of held me back as a matter of fact. But, um, I, so I wanted to teach these seals. And when the thing got stolen from me, I said, screw it. I'm going to continue to teach these seals and spec ops guys, but I'm going to do it in a way that I know is right, or I know is going to work. And I went all the way back to my experiences with karate and Zen and breathing and nature and silence and, and like the ultimate warrior, you know, stuff that the SEALs didn't even teach. But we know from, you know, thousands and thousands of years of warriorship that they, they work to create a more integrated and powerful warrior. And so I started teaching SEALs yoga, but I can never use the term yoga. And so I just broke it down into its component parts and started teaching them breath control and visualization and concentration and awareness development. 
and uh, and also how to find purpose because I've had a lot of people come to me as like I want to be a Navy SEALs because they played the video game, but really they had no business doing it, right? And so I, I began to build the you know the languaging that you read about in the way of the SEAL. And so I was just kind of minding my own business, and I was working on the manual, which I called Unbeatable Mind, which is now a book. And then I had an agent call me and was like, Mark, you know, we've been watching what you're doing, and it's amazing, and we want you to write a book about the way of the SEAL. You know, what he meant was the way of the warrior, but you were a SEAL, so let's do the way of the SEAL. And I'm like, done. Let's do that. This needs to get written, you know? And so... um, Literally nine months later, the book is in the marketplace, and uh, we just did the fifth anniversary edition of it. We came out, added a couple new chapters and some new information and changed up some stories. But the, the book has actually gotten more popular because it's more and more relevant. You know, I think people need to need some guidance, and that's what I, I treat everyone who reads the book like my students. Like, you know, this is if you're experiencing this, then do this, like you said. And here's the here's the exact process that's going to help you find your purpose and then where to stand in life and stay front side focused on your mission and those types of things. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic read. And I always gauge books by how engrossed I become in them. Now, you're like, I get, I go through a lot of these and I buy a lot of them and, you know, I kind of lip service and I flick through them, but I just found myself constantly going back to it you know I've had a quick break at work I'd be sitting reading a couple of pages on the bus or I'd be reading it as I was waiting at jiu-jitsu for the class to start and it was just all of a sudden I realized it's like it was really hard to put it down like it was kind of oh, I've really got to go back to that or I got to think about that or uh, incorporate it into my own life you know it's like the way that you looked at like a seal does it like this, this is how you could utilize it in your own day-to-day life. And I think that's so good for a lot of people because, you know, like um, some of this ideas about how like the box breathing, how to analyze a scene and how the, you know, you change depending on the nature and looking at the different color assessments of danger and things like that. You know, people just sleepwalk through life and you were giving them such a kind of an opening into a new life and everybody loves that kind of danger side of it as well. So you're giving them an insight into that life as well and how to how to become seal like without the danger. And you know, it, it's it's an awesome book. I mean I mean, is there anybody that you've been in contact with that's sort of blown you away with their transformation? You know, is there groups of people that Oh all the time. Yeah. We train people in these principles through my company, Unbeatable Mind. And, and also, like I said, Seal Fit. Seal Fit's like the legacy, really hardcore crucible training, which is like based upon Hell Week, that where we, we shock people to find themselves and to find new meaning. We say that people meet, you know, trainees will meet themselves for the first time. And But it's, it's the Unbeatable Mind program where I really – train the way the seal principles in their entirety i call it integrated you know training integrated development and so we train five mountains of physical mental emotional intuitional and kokoro or heart mind and we evolve people toward fifth plateau awareness it's really become quite extraordinary and the the transformations that occur are unbelievable you know and we've trained i've been doing this for seal fit for 10 years and now unbeatable for about four or five, and it's been extraordinary to hear the testimonials. They they roll in every week, and it could be it's really wild. You know, some of them are literally just from someone who read the book, 
and was like, there was just something that they read and did that completely changed everything for them. And then others, you know, are those who had the courage to come to our seal fit training and were transformed because, you know, there's life before and life after the crucible event we call Kokoro, which is 50 hours of nonstop physical, mental, emotional team training. No sleeping, no nothing. You're just nonstop. And it's transformative. And then the, you know, the unbeatable program has, is really a way of life. It's how you look at life. It's treating every day as a complete and enclosed capsule of excellence, right? Where you start your day with a, a routine to win in your mind before you step foot in the battlefield and you end your day with a routine to seal in the lesson learns and to eradicate regrets. And then to go throughout your day, you know, maintaining your energy, maintaining your balance, maintaining your focus, maintaining your beingness as opposed to constantly doing and being distracted and making really good choices and simplifying the battlefield. I mean, all the things that you read about in the way of the seal, we turned into a life practice and it, it really is effective. You know, I mean, I, I know there are a lot of programs that are effective, but this is effective in a sense that's unique because we're working on the whole person. So, you know, you could look at it like in accelerated integration, accelerated whole person development, as opposed to just like accelerated cognitive thing, you know? Because there's some books you read and you just think, yeah, you know, it's, I understand like the, where they're going, like what they're trying to say an overall message, but there's nothing there that kind of actually says, this is how to do it. And I noticed that in your testimonials, your reviews on Amazon, people were saying it's life-changing. You know, I finally understood some of this stuff. It made me feel alive for the first time. It gave me the courage to do things like um, the story about Ed, the guy who's rock climbing, mm -hmm. that, you know, and how you overcame that and how you taught him to overcome his, like, fear of, like, uh, heights and you know, to, to gain control of his emotions and things like that. And I think this is something we don't get enough as men. We we live in such a easy life that it's it's really difficult to kind of, you know, to get into that environment to be pushed. And that's why I like jujitsu, for example, because the person opposite you is wanting to hurt you. Yeah. So you feel alive with that kind of training. So can this work for all guys? You know, is there anybody that you don't think can pick something well, up from this book I, the only person who couldn't get something from this book is someone who doesn't want to do any work doesn't you know doesn't really doesn't feel um you know that, that thinks that they're going to do it by just reading you know learn by just reading because that's just one dimensional you know you read something and you learn a little a little bit and you probably remember one to ten percent so you got to actually read and then you got to uh, apply, which means you got to think about it. You got to visualize it. You got to do some exercises. You got to breathe into it. You got to, you know, challenge yourself to make certain habitual changes. Like I, I introduced the morning routine and the evening routine and spot drills. You got to actually do that stuff. You know, and in the book, I recommend reading it through, then going back to the first chapter and treating it like a lesson, like you would be taking a class at school. In fact, a lot of professors are, you know, used it for entrepreneurship or leadership studies and they just you know take the book and break it down by chapter and use all the exercises in their class <laughs> it's pretty kind of gratifying i mean that's but, a kind of perfect review isn't it you know like we actually yeah, teach this as part of our curriculums right that's pretty cool you know in, there's one section in the book where i say you got to go to the challenge or the challenge will come to you what i mean by that is 
you know, we all have challenges in life. You know, we all experience some level of loss, right? Loss of life, lose a job, lose a girlfriend, you know, it all, ha it, it, like you can't get away from that. It may be worse if you're in Syria than if you're in California, but you know, everyone deals with that. And so and you also experience suffering, right? Loss and suffering are closely related. So suffering is just part of human nature. Uh, you also experience joy, right? Of course. But if you think life is all going to be about joy and happiness and love, and you're, and you're just going to waltz by the suffering and the pain and the loss, then you're completely ignorant or you're in denial, right? So what I've learned is if you go to the challenge and prepare yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally, overcome your fears, learn to embrace the suck, develop the mental focus and control so you can so you can really radically focus on the right solutions at the right time to get through the challenge as quickly and as painlessly as possible when it comes and also develop the skills to be able to eradicate regrets and to learn from those challenges so that you come out of it stronger, which is resiliency. Um, man, life takes on a whole new hue, a whole new, you know, kind of orientation. Like you get, you're in control. You're in the driver's seat all of a sudden. That is very liberating. Like you determine your own freedom in life. My friend Jocko Willings, now my, I should say my peer, because I don't think he would call me his friend, but Jocko, I do know Jocko. I trained him when he was at SEAL Team 5. Oh, that's awesome. He wrote the book, Extreme Ownership. And he, what I, one of the things, probably my favorite saying he has is discipline equals freedom. And I completely 100% disciplined behavior, disciplined actions, disciplined habits, disciplined thinking leads to freedom. If you don't have freedom, then you, you are a either a victim or a prisoner to someone else's system of thought or, or, or i love the way that you look at things you know and it's like you're opening the eyes to things that we just take for granted you know people go oh well i have to have a job you know but or i have to think like this but it's amazing how they're dictated and put you know made a prisoner by somebody else who's manipulating them or controlling them in some way i mean I've, I've, funny enough I've... right i mean just oh, sorry. i'm sorry about that think how freeing it would be if you didn't ever have to like if if your boss treated you like shit, you could just say, you know what? Screw you. I'm out of here because I've got financial freedom or I've got mental freedom. And I'm so confident that I know tomorrow I can pick up the phone and get another job or that side hustle I've worked on, which is already providing me more money. Now's the time to focus on it. You know what I mean? Nobody should be a slave to anybody else. So somebody picking up this book, you know, like um, some guy listening to this just now and goes, okay, I want to give this a go, you know, and this is, sounds like it's perfect for me, but how, how should they approach it? You know, should they come along and forget everything they've known? Should they come in with an open mind just to say, okay, I'm going to do three nights trying this? Or how, how can they be the perfect student, the, the, the seal-like in the fastest way possible? Well, I would say, you know, approach it with a beginner's mind. Be like, okay, you know, I'm going to, since Ian liked this or thought it was good, um, and this guy obviously sounds like he knows what he's talking about, and he's a Navy SEAL with an MBA and CPA and built several businesses and trained thousands of students. Maybe he's got some knowledge that he can transfer. Like, there's some real authenticity. And Ian says, it's good shit. Okay, so start there, but, but clear your mind. Begin with a beginner's mind. You don't know anything 
accept what you think is, you know, true. Uh, we're, you know, all of us, including myself, are rehashing old information over and over. And if we don't just learn to dump that and begin again anew, then we, we don't leave room for new information, new ideas. And I think that's kind of the, the wellspring of life is to kind of empty your mind every day and then fill it up with new interesting concepts, even if it's the, the concept you've heard before. But because you've emptied your mind and you're a new person today, you're looking at it fresh and you see new distinctions or you understand it differently. So look at this book as I'm going to like learn about myself from and you know through a new set of eyes and Mark Devine will be my mentor and to help me see that. And the second thing is, like I mentioned earlier, just read it once through for inspiration, but then come back to it and do the work. And if you don't have the patience to do that, then just work your way through each chapter, but do the exercises. The most important thing, and you said this earlier, is the work. The exercises, the visualizations, the breathing, you know, the things I asked you to do, like putting together your integrated development plan, that's where the juice is, right? That's what's going to lead to the transformation. You know, I've just said, you know, if you're going to start box breathing, I could care less if you do it once. And you're like, well, that was amazing. If you never do it again, then shame on you. You know what I mean? But if you just do it for five minutes a day, that alone will transform you. I mean, that's a, everything in there is a transformative practice. The point with integration is when you bring them together, watch out. It's like adding rocket fuel to your life. You know? Yeah. And that's what I really liked about it was there was a lot of progression. You know, it was kind of okay, I can see the benefit from this. And then you kind of, as you progress, you kind of fit things together and you kind of go, okay, now I'm understanding why we do this because that helps with this. And, you know, it's it's a really well thought out read. And it's one of those books where you can actually pick it up open to any page because I tried it myself and got something from it. You know, there was a few times where you didn't kind of just go, oh, I haven't read that chapter. You know, it, that made sense because it made sense on its own and then there was kind of okay i'll just go to the next page and the next and before you know it you've read another chapter and you're like ah and then you it's another you know it's there's so much into it and your writing style is very it's like a friend talking as well and then you throw in like the science when it's but it's not too much to take in then you give your you know the dominant like leader when it needs to be the the motivation when you need it I mean, I loved it. It was, it was one of my favorite books that I've um, had the pleasure to read recently. And I've I've become one of those people who bounce around sites and, you know, plod, mm-hmm. podcasts. And there's such a variety to, for me to be focusing on it. It's a very, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm you should take it as a big compliment. So how, yeah, how do we find our why? You know, you talk a lot about like our why and then which wolves you feed and all these sort of things. But how do guys know where they're going in life? You know, why, how do we even start to find that for ourselves? It's such a great question. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit different for everybody because everyone's different, obviously. But what I will say as, as a starting point is it's very, very hard to find your why if you don't learn to steal your monkey mind and feed the courage. So, you know, there are so many distractions, you know, Twitter and Facebook and, you know, constant 24 hours, seven news and cable TV and, you know, all the different things that we think we sh- 
should be doing or are supposed to be doing and all of our commitments in the world and trying to make money and, and this and that and raising a family. It's like, it's, it's nonstop barrage and, and guys and girls today are like women and men are, are just like overwhelmed. And that leads to burnout. It also leads to confusion. It leads to frustration. It leads to despair in some senses or some cases and depression even. And what I try to do and establish right away is that first, first, you just got to slow down enough to stop and sit down every day and go through the practice that I outlined in the book, starting with box breathing and then beginning to witness your thoughts and then being able to engage uh, or center your, your consciousness with the witnessing aspect of yourself as opposed to the constant thinker. If you're, if you are merged with your thoughts and all you're doing is thinking and you have 80,000 thoughts a day and 72,500 of them are the same exact thoughts you had the other day, then you're on a freaking merry-go-round. And a lot of people feel that way. And, and if you're on a merry-go-round, you're, you're not able to sit clearly and think about what your purpose is in life and how you could fulfill that with a powerful mission. So you got to slow down and freaking, you know, and everyone looks at meditation as a hack or a way to be more successful or more, um, you know, make more money or, or for health benefits. And I say, you know what, those are all tangential side effects. The main thing about the practices of what I call sacred silence in the book are for you to find yourself, to find your why, so that then you can orient yourself and live that why. Now, that's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. For me, the first time I started practicing this and I found my why on the Zen bench with Mr. Nakamura, nine months it took me of daily dedicated practice before I started to even have an inkling of my why. And then it took me another probably year to year and a half to really develop the courage and the clarity around what I was going to do and to leave my job and, and you know step on the bus to the Navy SEALs. And ironically, Ian, you'll laugh at this, but you know, I was in school and I'm getting my MBA and I was getting my certified public account, which is kind of like your equivalent to a chartered financial account. And I was working on my black belt. I got them all in the same month, October of 1989, my MBA, CPA and black belt. And in November, I walked away from it all and went Wait. to Navy SEAL training. But I was so clear, so focused, so 100% sure that this was the right thing for me that I literally sailed through the class. We had 185 people in my SEAL training class, the hardest training in the world. And 19 people graduated, 19 guys, all studs, 19 graduated. And I was the honor man of the class. And it was all because of that work I had done on the meditation. And do you think that's what set you apart from the others? You know, was it the... Undoubtedly, yeah. So how, like, you know, these guys who are listening just now and they're going... Okay, and then they start getting, you know, trepidation, their heart racing. Is box breathing enough for these guys? You know, how can they get to the point where they start dealing with, like, you know, when life's bullets start flying and the adrenaline's pumping and they're making the changes, you know, they're undertaking their mission in life. How do they get to the point of keeping calm, accepting the situation? You know, what advice would you give to those kind of guys? Box breathing is the place to start because, you know, box breathing is both a physical practice, it's a mental practice, it's an emotional practice, and it's the gateway to your inner domain where the answers are, the insight as to, you know, whether you should stay in this path or, or choose an entirely new path. 
because what it does is, you know, first of all, let me describe it. It's, you know, you're inhaling through your nostrils, which are your main organ for breathing. You want to stop being a mouth breather. You want to, as much as possible throughout the day, unless you're like in an extreme workout, you want to be breathing through your nostrils or talking fast like I am right now. Um, so you're breathing through your nostrils, which is slowing the air down. You can then constrict the air with a glottis valve at the back of your throat and slow the air down even further. The average person breathes kind of partly through their mouth, partly through their nose, and about anywhere from 16 to 20 breath cycles per minute. What we want to do with box breathing is slow that down to four to six, right? Uh, six is probably about average. My breath cycle is around four breaths per minute through the nose. When you breathe through the nose, you're, act, you know, you're, you're tickling the vagus nerve, well, the diaphragm is actually, so you're stimulating the vagus nerve, which is stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system. This is the science behind it, which is your rest and digest function. So breathing through your nose in a nice, slow, diaphragmatic manner gets you more oxygen, which gives you more energy. It's stimulating the vagus nerve, which is calming you down with the rest and digest function. It's um, releasing nitrous oxide, which helps deliver the oxygens to yourself, so it will improve your performance. And best yet, it is the bridge to mental focusing because what it's going to do is get you into, you know, from a gamma out of control feeling mental state down to kind of a low beta high alpha, which is very, very calm. You know, the state of mind associated with, uh, you know, deep creativity or concentrating on a task or, you know, even light meditation. And so just this single practice done for a minimum of five minutes a day, and I recommend 20, I do a 20, we'll have a unbelievably powerful effect on your physiology and your psychology to make you more calm, more balanced, um, more able to see clearly what's going on in your life. So you'll make better decisions. And, you know, from there, the other skills kind of come into play. So that's the place as well. It, I mean, it's scary that, you know, just you saying that there'll be people going, oh, 20 minutes, I don't know if I could do it for that long. You know, we're in that yeah. society of instant gratification. And I mean, when I first read that bit of the book, I was like, okay, I'm going to give you practice. And it really does work. It just, uh, you know, it's like a calmness and a serenity kind of came over me. And I even try it when I'm in jiu-jitsu. It's maybe not always as effective when somebody's about to mount shower. Well, we call that, that's the difference between tactical breathing and box breathing. So let me describe that. Box breathing is really best done as a practice, you know, kind of like a seated meditation or sitting in a chair, straight spine. You can also do it kind of like when you're doing something mundane, like driving the car or standing in line, although you're going to mostly just get the physical, physiological benefits. You won't get the mental, emotional, psychological benefits. But like my point is you can do it all day long if you're not in a fight like you're talking about. But like SEALs, when you go into a firefight or if you're, you know, if you're, you're huffing and puffing, what we try to do is maintain that nice slow rhythm, but we don't hold the breath at the top of the cycle and the bottom of the cycle. So we just drop those and it becomes a, a two-part tactical breath, just deep, slow, inhale, do a five or six count, and then immediately into the exhale. Right, so that's what you're really doing in the uh, in jujitsu. You know, holding your breath might be a problem, especially if someone puts a hold on your diaphragm and you know at the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? Because there's time, you know, there's times the emotions raging, and I thought, okay, I'll I'll try it. You know, and it was working for a while, and then I uh, 
might I might have just underestimated the opponent and <laughs> had to quickly uh, tactical breathe my way out of it, shall we say? Right, yeah. um, but I mean, this is I mean, this is the beauty of it. it. It ties in. There's a story you talk about where you know the team's out and the maybe the guy at the rear starts f- sensing something's wrong. So it links into about how to become more aware of what your body and your mind's trying to tell you. Then it's on about the different breathing as you analyze the colors, you know, like you you range the dangers using the color system. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, it's how you guys are, like would then deal with a situation and control the nerves and, you know, get ready to action, etc. It, it's amazing. It's a good how you use stories that really kind of resonate with the reader. I mean, something I really enjoyed was the bit about, you know, the different wolves in your mind and your life. Can you go into a little bit about that and how, you know, because I I don't think a lot of guys really understand how they're feeding the negative side of their life. Yeah, that's great. So what you were first describing is this kind of the attitude of the sheepdog and the sheepdog. So there's two metaphors we work with. One is the wolves and the other is the sheepdog. The sheepdog is obviously... And you guys know this up in Scotland, but we do here in the States. It's the, it's the dog that is kind of bred epigenetically to protect the flock. And so it becomes the eyes and the ears and, the, and in a lot of cases the teeth of the shepherd because the shepherd you know, can't, have, can't be everywhere watching for the wolves who are lurking to take down you know, the, the weaker sheep that, you know, trailing behind. So we use that metaphor for protector, the attitude of the protector. And it doesn't have to be someone in uniform. I'm talking about the attitude, right? And I say everyone should develop, you know, different archetypal attitudes. We've already talked about the warrior and the leader, but the sheepdog is a powerful one too. If you want to learn how to protect your family in a crisis, you know, with all the crazy things happening in the world. So the sheepdog lives by a system where they're, they're always at a heightened sense of awareness, but it's a calm awareness. And we code that with the color yellow, which is based upon Lieutenant Colonel Cooper's color system. He was an American um, military guy who kind of coded these colors. So, so imagine white being complete ignorance, like you're the sheep. Well, if you're, if you're not the sheep and you're sheepdog, then you're never in white because white could get you killed or you know, someone could get killed and you can't do anything about it. So you want to be in yellow. Yellow is always scanning the environment, always aware, box breathing, tactical breathing, you know, being in control, but you're going about your day. You know, you're not sneaky peaky about it. You're not weird about it. You're just going about your day, but you're always aware. And some of the choices you make reflect that awareness. You know, for instance, I'll go into a restaurant. My wife knows, you know, do not sit in the chair that has its back to the door because Mark is going to want to sit there. So we can kind of scan the restaurant and make sure that you know, if someone barges through the door with an AK-47, you know, he, he pulls his family to the floor before the bullets start flying. You know, that's just part of being a sheepdog. And then orange is like this, this state of awareness where you don't seize up in fear if that guy does charge through the door. You know what I mean? It's not like, holy shit, we're going to die. It's like, no, you just calmly pull your family to the floor. And then it's likely that since no one else is doing anything, you're, you know, you're low crawling over and taking the guy down. Right. That's orange is like threat identified, you know, um, all your consciousness and your awareness collapses to the threat. And then red is like action. That's the taking the guy down. It's like, I got to take action. You think about it, if more people had this attitude, then all these crazy 
first person shooter type people wouldn't get away with what they were getting away with. Because as soon as the gun came out, someone would pounce. My best example of that is the two guys who were on the train in France, I think. I think it was Germany, France or Germany a few years ago, who noticed something suspicious going on with this, you know, with some of the um, Middle Eastern. Oh, the guy. Uh, he was out. He was outside the toilet, yeah. and he he recognized the sound of the the AK forty seven being put together. The rod being chambered, or the, or the magazine being ch- uh, seated, and I think they had seen them go into the and so they stood up to like be like, "Hey, something's going on. Let's stand by the door just in case." And sure enough, these two guys come out with weapons, and they take them down. Like they didn't wait for these guys to start shooting. They didn't, you know, cower in fear. They didn't wait for the security or someone else to handle it, which means that they would have probably been dead or there would have been a lot of bodies. Can you imagine if those guys had gone through that train just picking people off? It would have been just a horrific disaster. That's what we mean by sheepdog mentality. All guys listening to this should be sheepdogs, especially if you have a family or you're responsible for employees. You know, I, I just can't imagine you know, standing by and letting anybody get hurt if I can do something about it, even at risk of injury. I mean – and then, well, ahead. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, how many guys do you see head down looking at their phones? You know, how many people are aware of their situation? Like, the situational awareness is terrifying in some people. They don't even notice guys coming up behind them. That's why pickpockets get on so well in some of these cities. True. Yeah, it's easy. We become easy targets because of the distraction. You know, everyone's. You know, the, the distractions are enormous, you know, which is the other thing you kind of talked about. Like, it, it is easy to get sucked into your iPhone and your Twitter and message and Facebook. You need to develop a practice about keeping, you know, keeping a simple, Sally. It's, I actually use the term keep it simple stupid, but I soften my tone a little bit sometimes. You got to keep it simple and declutter your environment and learn to scan, you know, scan for threats. But, you know, don't walk around like a doomsday prepper every day. Just, you know live your life with optimism and abundance feeding the courage wolf. So that's the other piece. That's the second metaphor is like, you know, I believe this came out of the native American culture and there's probably other versions of it, but you know, the story is that the grandfather's telling the kids about the two wolves that live within them and the wolf of fear resides in their head. You know, it's always thinking about, you know, what people think about them and, and it's judging and critiquing and analyzing and compartmentalizing and, taking in all this information, which is fear-based, like we're talking about from news media and whatnot. And then there's the wolf of courage, which lives in the heart. And the wolf of courage, you know, really only experiences love, expresses connection, expresses appreciation, you know, all the kind of positive emotions. And oftentimes the head overcomes the heart because, you know, we haven't learned to get out of our heads. That's where meditation comes in and these practices in the way of the seal. You got to get out of your head to get into your heart until they merge together in action. That's the concept of Kokoro that I talked about. But anyways, so the, you know, the, the story goes that the grandkids, the, you know, listen to the story in Rapture, like, are curious because the grandfather ends the story by saying that only one of these wolves, over time, one of these wolves will dominate until the other one, you know, is overcome. And they're like, wow, are they fighting each other? is what the kids are thinking. And so they say, are they fighting each other? How do you know, how do we know which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one that wins is one that is the one that you feed the most. And 
I love that. And so I use that. It's like, let's start a practice, turn that into a practice every day of feeding the courage wolf. In my Unbeatable Mind program, I have people like set their alarms or, you know, put a rubber band on their wrist and whatever they look at it, they, they look at it and it triggers that question. Am I feeding the courage wolf? And then that becomes a witnessing practice. Like, what are my thoughts right now? What's the energy? What am I doing right now? And nine times out of 10, like you're doing something that, that could be negative, right? Or it's giving you negative energy or you're allowing negativity in by reading something or listening to gossip or thinking negative thought or thinking something fear-based, like I can't do this or I wish I had done that. So anytime you, you notice or you witness that, then you have to interdict it by saying, no, not me, not now. This is not who I am. I am courage. I'm feeding a courage wolf. So you redirect it to a, you know, powerful statements, powerful internal dialogue. And then you maintain that courage wolf feeling and state of mind with a mantra, you know, or a jingle. My favorite, and I was doing this all throughout SEAL training without really relating to the story, but my mantra jingle in SEAL training was, I'm feeling good, I'm looking good, I ought to be in Hollywood. I'm feeling good, I'm looking good, I ought to be in Hollywood. And I would, I would go through a 12-mile blistering run with that going through my mind incessantly. And what it did is it, it led to such a deep state of focus and concentration that and then I entered a flow state really pretty quickly. And I call that a, a flow state activator, right? A mantra is a flow state activator. There's other ones, but that's one of them. And um, it, it had the double whammy effect of it was super powerful. And, and when I said those words, it meant something to me. I like had an image of myself. The feeling good, looking good ought to be in Hollywood. Mark Devine looked a special way, you know? And man, I would just dominate, you know, when I clicked into that. And uh, I would watch people fall behind, and it's because they were feeding the fear wolf. They were going like, holy shit, this guy's going too fast for me. I don't think I can keep up. What happens if I fall behind? I might get the goon squad. That's going to, you know, ruin my whatever. I'm going to be going forever. I don't know if I can make this. And that's all, you know, feeding the fear wolf leads to quitting, right? Or at a minimum, it weakens you. So we want to feed the courage wolf. I love that. Yeah, it's I love the way that you kind of you utilize it and it sh it shows in your character. I mean, do you would you become that version of yourself when you were doing the run or would you just aim towards that person? You know, how would you use the the Hollywood Mark Divine? I think you aim toward it because you know, I have a, a little section in the book where I call see it, say it, no, say it, see it, believe it. Say it, see it, feel it, believe it, right? So the saying it is the internal dialogue. Feeling good, looking good, ought to be in Hollywood. You know, it's one dimensional. It's still better than saying, I don't think I can do this, right? I suck, <laughs> you know? It's way better, obviously. So we want to have a positive internal dialogue. And, you know, for me, especially when you're doing something hard, you know, I, I just liked having these jingles or songs. That's why the military has Jody's, right? the songs, right? And the seals hit, we all had our Jodies. And so when I wasn't doing the Jody, I would go back to feeling good, looking good, I would be in Hollywood. But then you want to um, see it in your mind's eye. So like I said earlier, so I had an image of who I was becoming. And maybe it didn't match who I thought I was when I looked in the mirror, but maybe other people saw that, but I always thought I could be better. Right? So this is kind of like your self-image or self-esteem. I always, including today, I always know I can be better. I can fulfill more of my mission. I can serve more people. There's a more complete version of myself. I can never stop 
working toward that. It's a, it's a lifelong journey. So that's the part where you see yourself as capable, as worthy, as the person who is worthy of being in Hollywood, even though I really didn't want to go there. And, you know, I never manifested that, although we've been a lot of TV shows and stuff, but I've never, I'm not a Hollywood guy by any stretch. I have no interest in that. My point is that it, was, it meant something to me. And then over time, when you start to see something and say it, you begin to feel it, right? It begins to override any emotions that might contradict it, such as, you know, low self-worth or, or a subtle feeling that maybe other people are better than you or maybe you're on the wrong track. Well, if you, if you say something positive that's meaningful and you start to see it in your mind's eye that you're, you're becoming this person, eventually you're going to feel it. And we call that transmuting the energy, the negative to the positive, the, the fear to the courage. And then, you know, over time, you just become this new person. Like you literally can transform yourself. You know, they say all the cells in your body are brand new every few years. Well, your entire psychology, mindset, um, stories, belief systems, they could also be new, you know, every three to five years. So why not? make that new better instead of worse yeah that's that's an amazing way i mean i've not really thought about it like that because you know you mentioned in some videos on your site and that about how negativity destroys you and you know how you can overcome laziness by like competency training and stuff like that but you know you have these guys who they cling to a story it's it's how they identify with themselves it's how they feed the you know the negative wolf the the like the bad wolf and it's 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 a sad way to live to think that you know maybe later in their life they'll suddenly realize that they could change you know maybe they just get the your copy of your book and they see where they've been going wrong i mean do you think that there's like you mentioned about the three pillars that every guy should live towards you know can you go into a little bit about that well i think you're referring to the the um fueling and breathing the fueling and movement right and yeah i mean th this is where your book drove me crazy because there must have been about 50 to 60 different ways i wanted to take this interview you know there's so there were so many things like i haven't even started on the leadership or the physicality stuff or the mindset as much or the diet or the spirituality you know i was just kind of going oh my god how do i fit all this into one interview you know so i mean i would well, we have to do another oh, we'd have to do about six the way things are going. <laughs> but I mean, there's like the you know they were talking about the three pillars. The I think is it design, deliver. Oh, um, I can't remember. But I mean, there were so oh. many different things that's coming out my head. Going, oh, that's amazing. I've got to ask about that. I've got to ask about that. And there's, I think there's something for everybody in the book. You know, I mean, if you were listening, and you know, some guy just now was saying, yeah, but what do I need? What's the minimum I should start with? You know, is there a change to their diet they should make straight away? Is there fitness, you know, benchmarks they should aim for? What would you want somebody listening to this in six months to achieve? You know, it's such a great thing. I do believe that there's four kind of like really core things that we want to work on and they're difficult to benchmark because you know i think that it's one way you could approach this hey let, let me give me a simple fitness regimen tell me what to eat um give me the box breathing practice and off i go 
And I guess what? That will be transformative for sure. But consider that we want to develop our ability to witness or observe our life more so we can watch these core stories and begin to move away from the fear-based, you know, fear-wolf stories and move more toward courage. So the only way you're going to get there is by being more mindful and box breathing 20 minutes a day will get you to be more mindful. So we want to start with box breathing. The second thing is when we perform, and I mean perform in the boardroom, the battlefield, uh, you know, with my family, whatever it is I do on the mat, I want to be balanced, right? And balance is everything with the human body. I think every, everyone, you know, ultimately comes to that conclusion. You know, even the Buddhist said it's the middle path, it's balance. We want physiological balance. That's where health comes in. We want to be psychological balanced because that's where mental health and peace of mind comes from and, and being, you know, complete and, and feeling good about ourselves. Right? We want to be emotionally balanced. We want to be spiritually balanced because, you know, you could also be over the top spiritually. There's a lot of spiritual egotism going on or, you know, way too much reliance on the church and or thinking that you're just going to buy your way out of sins. That's None of that is balanced, right? You want to be balanced there. So the practice of balance comes from finding your center every day through balance in moving your body, aka exercise. But, you know, like you and I know that you don't need a specific exercise program. You just need to move your body. So one day it could be out for a brisk walk. The next day it could be a yoga class. The next day it could be Krav Maga or, you know, Jiu-Jitsu and just find the things that you love to do and get out and move your body and play and have fun. And your body will come into balance and be super healthy. If you're an athlete or you need to be a warrior or a lumberjack or something, then, you know, get on a specific regimen. But, you know, people make way too much out of exercise and the gym has become an artifice. And I think you get way more fit and have way more fun with it. Just stay outside and move your body. You know what I mean? Have fun, play, dance, run, walk, hike, like I did as a kid, you know? And you'll find balance in that. And then find balance with sleep. You know, people are so distracted and have so much technology and so much in their mind that they don't sleep well. Well, if you find balance in exercise and you do box breathing, guess what? You're going to want to sleep. So you need to sleep seven hours a night. Get that nice rest. Because the first four hours is when your body and mind really restore. And then, did you want to ask a question? I, I could keep oh, going. Sorry. but I, no, no, okay. I, I'm, I keep going there. This is awesome. So, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking so, to start taking notes. Yeah, witnessing and balancing are two ends that are really individualistic, right? But we don't live alone, right? We live with others. We, we work with others. So we have to get out of our little, like, this is all about me mode and, and figure out how to engage with others in a more healthy way and to show up powerfully, right? Instead of weak, show up with courage instead of fear. And so we need to really figure out what we're focusing on. So witnessing is about observing your thoughts and emotions and getting really you know, clear. Balancing is about balancing your body and your energy so you can you know, stay centered and you know, your punch land, so to speak, metaphorically speaking. But focusing is like, what am I focused on? How do I know what I'm doing right now is going to add value? It's going to lead me toward mission accomplishment. So that's where the whole front side focus pop process comes in. It's like learning to make the right decisions and more importantly, to say no to most things, right? And so that becomes a practice is what should I say? What can I say no to today? Let me go collect my nose. And um, so that I can focus on the right things to move the dial forward. 
toward mission accomplishment. And then, of course, because everything I do is with a team, as I mentioned, or with a family, I've got to learn how to be. And most people think that the balances or the, uh, the, um, the trade-off is between being and doing, and I think it's between being and balance. And so the opposite of balance is being. And when, I'm, when I talk about being, I'm talking about being with others. How do I show up? with others. You know, when I'm with my kids, am I on my iPhone and, and, and posting on Facebook or am I just with my kids, being with them, being there for them, playing with them, you know, answering questions, asking good questions. Same thing with your work team or your athletic team, you know, just learn how to be present. And so this is the whole practice of kind of presence and the emotional control um, and that type of thing. And so you can start at any one of those. Hey, I want to start with working on my witness. Good. Start box breathing. Or I want to start working on my balance. I say, good. Then start moving your body. Or I want to start working on learning how to focus better. Good. Start a concentration practice. That's what a good one is, box breathing. And I want to learn how to be more present. I say, okay, good. The way to do that is learn how to be more mindful. Well, guess what? The, uh, a pathway to being mindful is box breathing. So, and oh, by the way, box breathing will help bring you into physiological balance so you have more energy so you can move better. So ultimately, I think the best practice right at the center point of, of witnessing, being, focusing, and, and balance is box breathing. Because that's the thing, isn't it? Is there's so much you can get from the book, but if you can't find your balance first, right. you're not going to be able to embrace the sack. You're not going to be able to... You know, like um, be more seal-like and use the visualization techniques because, or find your how to get your twenty x. Right. You know, you're always going to be just slightly off unless you can find your balance point. So I think right. that's definitely something I recommend anybody reading the book. I mean, there's just so much to take from it that I think it needs to be read through a couple of times as well. But it's one of those you should do the exercises. You know, not just read it, but actually get up and do them because. It's it's really surprised me how engaging you just want to be with the book. You know, you want to read it in the spare five minutes in the bus journey. You get so much from it each time you read it, and you start to understand it on a different level each time. Um, it's annoying because now it yeah, takes it takes all the attention away from Instagram and Facebook. But that's what you want, you know. It. That's what you want, right? That's my trick. <laughs> By the way, I should hire you as my publicist. <laughs> well, I mean, I know we we've gone for about an hour and ten minutes now, and I, I haven't even started to you know to scratch the surface with some of the stuff I wanted to cover because there's just so much good stuff from this book. But I mean, I know you're very um, you're very busy. So, what do you want people to take from this interview? You know, what do you want them to have as a sort of go home message? Yeah, I don't know. We've, we've had such an interesting conversation, and it, I think it's been really important. So you asked such excellent questions, Ian, and it's clear that you're passionate about your um, your own practice, your own development, and your listeners. And, um, yeah. But I think what you just said is critical. Is like, do the work, right? You know, people just get by in life. You know, it's, it's equally as important to work on your inner domain where potential is developed as it is to live in the outer domain, which is where you take action in the world. They're, they're, that's the yin and the yang. You got to do both. And everyone in the West for the last, you know, who knows, hundreds of years, 
maybe longer, has been just focused on the outer, doing, 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 you know, tasks and projects and commitments and boards and mm. degrees, you know what I mean? And it's all doing, and we're so dis- – and then, and then you know, t- for downtime, we distract ourselves further by getting on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. So just stop, right? Just start saying no to like every other thing that comes your way and say no to yourself when you have the urge to pick up the phone or to turn on the TV and just start to sit in silence and to breathe. And it, that's the beginning of the transformation. That's what I mean by doing the work. It all comes, it all flows from there. And some people are scared of silence. And I think that's yeah. possibly one of the worst ways to live life. You know, they need a distraction. They need a noise. They need a, a problem. They can't yeah. just sit and well, you know, Rome isn't built in a day. You don't become a Navy SEAL by doing a single push up. You know, over time, if you do the practice, yes, it's hard at first, but you just stick with it, trusting that this this will have a difference. Trust me, trusting and trust you know, Buddha and Jesus, because they said the same thing about breathing and silence and going into nature. It is absolutely necessary for the human being to have silence so that they can, you know see clearly they can connect they can be content they can be peaceful they can know what's true and what's right and keep things simple and then when you do that after you do that every day or over a long period of time you're much more powerful because you take on fewer commitments the commitments you do take on are really aligned with your purpose and who you're meant to be in life and, you know, you become really sheepdog strong and a leader and, and everything, you know, all this work, all of a sudden, someday you're going to look back and be like, I don't know how I did without that. Like life is so much better, you know, now with these practices. Yeah. I mean, and it's people like yourself, like Mark Bell, who does, you know, powerlifting, Aubrey Marcus from on it. You know, it's, it's all these kind of people who are helping guys find their why, how to become more in life, you know? So, I mean... You should be immensely proud of this book. It's it's honestly one of the best I've read and probably ever. It's one of those we with the nature and a world of distractions. You're breaking through and you're teaching guys how to be better and how to live an enjoyable life and how to be elite and how to succeed and you know lead and help others. And it is is an amazing gift to be able to give that to other people. Yeah, and obviously the yeah. Thank you. By the way, you know, even though most of the stories are kind of male because it was, you know, written with the way of the seal and there's no female seals, I have had tons of women tell me that they were equally impacted by the book. So that's cool. Don't just think it's for the guys who are listening to this. You know, give it to your wife or, you know, if you're a girl. If we were, you know, all the practices are, are agnostic to sex or race or color or religion or anything like that. I like it. So if anybody's still on the fence, which it's a scary place to be when you can give them burpees to do, what would you advise, you know, what's your, now's your chance for the sales pitch for the book? You know, why should somebody pick it up? How should they use it? You know, what, what would they get from it? You know, to me, it's, it's becoming a whole person integration. I think we're so fractured societies are fractured cultures are fracturing and individuals feel fractured which makes them feel separate and a lot of our issues today 
a lot of the you know, cultural insanity and everything is coming because we're all feel separate and we all are, when you're separate, you're scared. When you're separate from others, you feel fear. That's feeding the fear wolf. And just doing the same thing as you did and expecting different results isn't going to help. Just doing a workout program or a yoga challenge or this or that, it, you know, it's temporary band-aid. What we really need as human beings is to reintegrate and to become whole again and then to reconnect as a human species, as world-centric warriors and leaders and moms and fathers and teachers and you know, scholars and students and to respect each other. So that's what my message is in this book, even though it's the way of the seal. The seal is a world-centric warrior, at least the way I present it. By the way, that is the way of the Navy. That's the way of the seal. That's me. <laughs> a lot of people mistake it for the way of the Navy seals. And some of it is in there, but trust me, you know, there are a lot of douchebags in the SEALs too, you know, just like there are in any military. And not everyone has any clue what I'm talking about in the SEALs. The SEALs are a great unit though, and a great example. And they're kind of like modern day superheroes to a lot of people. So it works, right? You know, look at what just happened in Thailand, right? With the cave rescue. Those are, those are guys that I trained. You know, we trained the Thai Navy SEALs and I was very proud of them rescuing that, that soccer mm -hmm. team that had gotten you know, trapped. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Like, we're all in this together. We've got to live together on this little blue ball. We've got to preserve this little blue ball so it lasts for, you know, millions and more years. Right now, that's not clear, right? It's in general, that, there's no reason. There's no reason human beings should have nuclear weapons threatening to wipe each other out. Like, what the hell is, how could we possibly be a threat to each other? You know, we should be worried more about some alien race out there or, or at least, you know, working together to, to have a good life and to share resources. It's insane, you know, and I'm going off on a little tangent, but that's what we need to do. We need to reintegrate. And this is the starting point. And the book is a place where I teach you. Yeah, I couldn't have said better, you know, I mean, it's, I found that's what I enjoyed about it was it was about how to become a better person, not just to be how, how to become more military-like. It was how to become right. a better version of yourself by, you know, by utilizing SEAL training. and. You know, I, I think that's just a, a brilliant way to kind of sell the book. I mean, you you won't actually need to sell books once people start reading it; they won't be able to put it down. So, what's an unusual fact about yourself? I always love finishing off interviews with this. You know, is there something about you that when people find out, they're very surprised? You know, it really blows them away. Is it maybe a guilty pleasure, or you know, <laughs> is there something you can admit to that? Yeah. Oh, I, I, there's two things I'll say. One is, but this won't surprise people too much, but I've challenged my tribe, which I now include you to do 22 million burpees this year. And that we've already done 10 million of them since January 1st. And I've, I myself have done 70,000 and I'm going for a hundred thousand. And we're raising, we're using this, these burpees to raise money for veterans who are suffering from post-traumatic stress and suicidal because 22 vets a day are committing suicide. So that's mind blowing when people hear that a lot of times, because I wanted to do something crazy mind blowing that was scary to even me. And, and honestly, it's scared. It scares me because every day I have to get up and do 300 burpees. And uh, I've been doing them like clockwork. I haven't missed a day since January 1st. It's been an extraordinary discipline practice for me. And, and frankly, if anyone's interested in joining us, burpeesforvets.com has some information, but I know it's in the, 
it's not meant to be an American thing. Like it is worldwide. We have folks who, because the vets worldwide have this issue. It's not just American. Anybody who served in Iraq and Afghanistan and, you know, earlier wars are suffering. So that's one. And the second one is, you know, I really like wine. You know, I love, I'm on a cleanse right now because, you know, I'm like, I'll drink wine every night with my wife if I can, sitting on the back porch looking at the ocean. But I'm such an incredibly disciplined guy that I'll sweat it out within the first 30 seconds every day. And, you know, it hasn't really affected any of my performance. So we'll cut. A couple glasses of wine. I think I need to do the dry farm wines or, you know, some sort of like low sulfur, low sugar. It's better for me. But, you know, I, I like white wine, I like dry wine, I like Malbec, Malbec and Cabernet. There's something about wine. I also like whiskey, but I can't, um, I can't do more than like a, uh, a small shot of whiskey, you know, before I, I, it just makes me feel too fuzzy in that space. Yeah. It certainly has a kind of take over the world when you start drinking it, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's difficult to switch off after a couple of shots of that. You know? It is difficult to switch off. It's kind of consumed you. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll Once treat you that. I'll, I'll if treat we get you together. I'll have some whiskey with you. Well, the bo- the bottles on me. I'll uh, definitely. I mean, I cannot say thank you enough for this. It's been an absolute pleasure. We haven't even touched half of the questions I've got, but I would love to have you on again. So, how can anybody listening, you know, learn more about you? I mean, obviously, we can get the book from Amazon and place it, and you know, any good bookseller. But how can we find out more about you? Follow you on social media, get in touch, etc. It's interesting. Most of my social media really is around my companies because I've, I've just taught and built the companies. I'm just starting, you know, I, I have a little bit of icky feeling around personal brand stuff, but I've been finally convinced to put up a personal website. It's not live yet, but it will be in a week or two. It's called at markdivine.com. So if someone listened to this in a month or so, it'll be live, Mark Divine. And we're right like August 10th or something right now. But also, um, if you're intrigued with a hard physical kind of military theme training, sealfit.com, we got tons of free content there, free workouts, tons of videos, really cool stuff. And, and that's where you learn about our crucibles. We have tons of people coming over from Europe to do them. It's a long flight, but hey, it's an amazing experience. And then unbeatablemind.com, we have our online training um, that you can do virtually. And that I just completely rebuilt the Unbeatable Mind online course. It's 12 months long you know, because it's meant to be a journey and uh, there's a great community of people who are working through this integrated training trying to be their best and there's coaching support involved. so nblmind.com is probably the best place for the scope of what we talked about today no that's also awesome. I mean there were so many questions I had on that about your podcast you know I think we could go for days oh, I forgot <laughs> about that yeah the podcast you can find the podcast at iTunes and I mean I'm, I'm a I was listening to a few, you know, and then there was, I like the ones where you were kind of like, if you like me doing these by myself, I'll do it. If not, I'll stop. You know, it was just like, I like the, how you mix it up and there's so many different topics and, you know, you can actually see like how you progress in your way of looking at life and your outlook on things as you talk to people, you know, you can see your growth and development along that path as well. And it's really interesting to see. Yeah, that has been fun. It's just been like a conversation with the world, you know what I mean? Without any kind of gotchas or formulas. And people really say they like the solo cast because that's where I just kind of riff on really, you know, interesting topics. Or I read chapters of books that I've been writing. And I, honestly, it's really weird. I, I wrote an entire book and then just shit canned it because I just, you know, couldn't figure out how to 
fit it all in what I wanted to say. And so I went back to the drawing board and, but, but all the podcast listeners got their piece of that. And now I'm, I'm introducing the la- book I'm calling launch. It probably, that title probably won't survive, but it's really for millennials to, to find their bearing and purpose in life and to use these skills. So I'm, I'm hoping to get that. I got uh, St. Martin's looking at the book right now to see if they want to pick it up. I think they will. And um, get that into the marketplace by the end of the year or, you know, probably first uh, so, quarter of next year. But I'm, I'm rolling that out in the podcast, too. So you get all this stuff, that, you know, I give away so much free content because I love it. But um, it's kind of like hurt my business a little bit. But other people have taken like chapters of the way of seal and turned them into courses and sold them probably way more than I have ever sold anything because we <laughs> I'm I think- so busy. I don't really focus on that. At the same time, we do it better than anyone else because it's my stuff. It's our stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. I think that definitely comes across in your material. You know, it's you can tell you're doing it because you want to help people. You're not doing it just to make a money out of it. You know, the fact that you're still you're still involved. You're not just getting people in franchises. You know, you're actually right. you're leading from the front. You're jumping in. You're doing the you know the burpees. You're pushing other people you're showing them the skills you're being part of the team with them right. it really demonstrates right. that you're a man of your word you know and i think that comes across and that's why you're helping so many people transform and it's an amazing thing you're doing that's awesome i really appreciate i mean that. i know we're well over how long wow. we planned but so i'd love to have you on again i cannot say thank you enough for this it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to somebody like yourself and you know i cannot wish anything but success you know you're changing lives and it's it's awesome to see the success and rightly so thank you Ian. man it's been a really really fun call and love to do it again appreciate no worries, well, we'll get some booked in and i'll talk to you soon appreciate it That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.